0: Jesus addressed his followers, his disciples, as a unit, as a community. You could never separate true discipleship from being committed to a community. Jesus very seldom had to do a one on one thing. He always addressed his disciples as a group. All right? Now think about that for a moment. Well, you know what? I'm sure Jesus had the Do a one-on-one talk. Well, he did talk to Judas one-on-one. Now, I wouldn't want to be that kind of disciple. No. Uh, Listen. In the Garden of Gethsemane, when the the guards tried to arrest Jesus, uh, Peter pulled out a sword and cut off uh, one of the people's ears. And Jesus says, put it back. Take away your sword. Those who live by the sword will die by the sword. Don't you know that all I have to do is ask my father and he's going to send legions of angels to protect me and rescue me? I don't need you, Jesus says, because I have the power to do what I have to do. And he says, I can send legions. Listen, he did not need 12 guys to protect him, and yet he called them. What does that say? It says that Jesus says, if you're my followers, you have to be committed to a community. That's why we have a church. That's why gathering together as disciples is sacred. That's why we're risking it in the age of COVID. That's why when when, when this thing comes out, we're going to do whatever we have to do. But it's sacred to the Christian to be part of a community. We're not doing this to defy the law of the land. We don't want anybody to get sick. But there are things that are sacred to the Christian faith that we must make a stand on. And one of them is being part of a community. God has always done it. You read the Old Testament. He called an entire nation to be His people. He called a church. In fact, the word church means called out ones. The Ecclesia. Because community is sacred. We are committed to that community. I hate to disappoint many people, but when this pandemic is over, you have to come back to church. Why? Because you want to fill up the temples? No, because it's sacred to the Christian. You are a follower of Jesus when you're committed to the community. Twelve people transformed the world. Jesus could have done it by himself and there's no doubt he could have done it by himself. But why did he call 12 and then 120 and then 500 and then the multitude and then countless? Discipleship is not simply an individual exercise. When a person comes and believes in Jesus and then lives by himself or herself, the connectedness to the body of Christ disappears and discipleship Goes away. It's a big deal in the Christian life. It shows that you are in because you're connected to the body. If you're disconnected to the body, it means you're out. And it's it's not a, it's not an in, in intended to, to, uh, to make people feel like you know they're obligated to do. But you you have to think about this. Y- you know we need to think about this in terms of what God is saying to us. Did you know that the underground church? is thriving right now. Report after report says that the underground church, the persecuted church, is growing by leaps and bounds. And they're under persecution. They couldn't stop them from assembling together. Even to this day, under persecution, they assemble together. Why? Because it's sacred to the followers of Jesus. Jesus knows you're in because you're connected to community. Why is this so important? Because it's a reflection on the Trinity. We have one God in three persons. Complete unity in fellowship, complete unity in power, complete unity in mission. The church is a reflection of that. God is one, but reveals himself in three persons. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Community. Makes sense. And the, the, the calling of a Christian is a call to community. That's why Jesus, again, selected 12 people. And within the 12 he took three, Peter, James, and John, to be around him. Did he really need anybody? Of course not. But because it's sacred, but because it's a reflection of his being that we're trying to emulate the Trinity, it becomes pivotal to the Christian. John 13:34. Jesus says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. What does that say? It says community all over the place. You cannot experience the love of God outside community. You just can't. When you say, I believe that God loves me, how do you know that God loves you? You, lo- you, you experience that love in community. Not in some emotional experience. I'm not against emotional experience. I, we do feel our love for God and we do feel the love of God in us. But that love is expressed through community. If no one's going to tell you, I'm praying for you, brother, I'm praying for you, sister. No one's going to tell you that you matter because you are a brother or a sister in the Lord. How are you going to know the love of God? John 15, verse 12. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Each other. What does that say? Community. That's what it says. John 15:17. This is my command. Love each other. So it's sacred because we experience that. God community—that's how real worship takes place through community. If you have time, read Acts chapter eight. It shows that the power of God is manifested when the community of believers worship together. By the way, I don't want you to miss this one. You, your connectedness to the community of faith or the church, is rooted in your love for Christ. Okay, if you love Jesus you have to love His church. Okay? If you love Jesus, you have to love His church. Because Jesus is the head, we are the body. This is all over the Bible, all over the New Testament. We can't escape this. You know, people tell me all the time, well, you know, Pastor, I may not go to church, I may not be a member of the church because I hate organized church. Well, well, guess what? We are a disorganized church. You're welcome. Come here. No excuses. No, we're very disorganized. You know? But 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 what does it matter? W- w- why, why are we coming up with so many things just to be on our own? Because we're an individualistic type of not only society, but we love our individuality. We love it. But in Christianity, you gotta get connected to a community because that's rooted in your love for Jesus. I mean, I can go on and on in the Bible about what what the Bible teaches about that. But it's a connectedness to the community. Okay? It's rooted in love for Christ. Uh, our obedience to his command. It has nothing to do with your obligation to an organization. I want to make that clear. I hope you come here because you love Jesus. And if you love Jesus, you might hate me, but you're gonna have to love me. It's not a choice. You know, where else can we find the love of God but in community? Your willingness and my willingness to belong to the body of Christ is rooted in the love of Christ that has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. We've heard that before. But I want to I wanna just hone in on that one. I just want to make sure that we're, we're gathering here today not because we want to defy some government law. No. No. There are several things that the Bible calls sacred, okay? Let me just take the time to say what those are. Number one, human life is sacred. You agree? Number two, human sexuality is sacred. Alright? It is sacred. Matthew 19, in the beginning, God created them male and female. Human sexuality is sacred. Our bodies are sacred. The Bible says your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. That is sacred. That's why Jesus, you cannot escape the fact that Jesus became fully human. Because our physical body is a physical sacred temple. Okay? And of course, community. Community is sacred. And that's why we do this. That's why we come together. So when someone lets you down in the church, don't pass judgment on the church. You still love Jesus in spite of what a person or that pastor or that elder has done. Remain faithful because you are all in. Don't allow anyone within the body of Christ Take away your love for Christ. We got to love each other because it's not a matter of choice. It's a matter of a sacred commitment. And it breaks my heart because, you know, sometimes people will, you know, leave a church. and And I've been a pastor for a while and I've heard it all. Heard it all. One person offended another person in the church And that person that got offended left and summarily says, that church. You know what they do in that church? You know when you say that? You're saying this. You know, Jesus, that's what Jesus does. If you think about it that way, it's a sobering thought. Because we're here as a, As an expression of Jesus. We're not perfect. Nobody's perfect. I mean, you know that and I know that. Right? But that's why we invite the presence of the Holy Spirit in our midst. That's why we do that. That's why every time we stand up here, every time Ben leads the worship, every time any one of these guys come up here and try to minister to you, I'm telling you, they cannot minister to you unless the Holy Spirit is guiding them. And if the Holy Spirit is not guiding you, it going to be a very tiring experience. I tell you what, you know, when, you, when you preach, you have to preach every Sunday. You know, without that empowering, and I'm not saying I'm any great preacher or anything like that. I don't even think about that. But the fact that we continue to do what we do in the body of Christ is a testimony that the Spirit is still alive. You know how many churches are being are closed right now? Are closing? I'm not saying, you know, they close for this reason or that reason. It doesn't matter. But churches cannot close. If the churches close, Jesus closes. So, so you, you know, there, be, there can be two people here next week and I'll be preaching the same way. And it's not because I'm anything good or special, but it's because it is our call. We're all in. I'm all in. Been doing this for 32 years. I think I'm all in. And so are you. This guy has been since he was a kid. He's all in. He can't get out even if he wants to. He's tried many times. We're all in. Now, there's a third mark. A disciple is someone who is compelled to change. You are a true disciple when you are compelled to to change many who used to follow jesus stopped following because they did not want to make changes in their lives and that's that's true for many now, many people will follow jesus as long as they can hang in there but when the time comes when the confrontation about there's something that needed to be changed in our lives the true disciple will say i got it i'm going to change the false disciple will say this is too hard I'm not talking about our regular struggles, okay? Everybody has struggles, yeah? You know, everybody stumble and fall, you know, because we have struggles, you know? Jesus knows it. You can't lie. But you know what? We get up. Paul says, when I stumble, I get up. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. What's he saying? I'm all in. When I'm weak, I'm strong because I'm all in. Jesus is not going to let me off the palm of his hands, even though sometimes I try to kick out of it. Because Jesus knows you're all in. You know what Jesus says? Jesus says, those whom God has given me, I'm not going to let go. (laughs) And he's not saying that to be theologically this or that. He's saying that if you're all in, you'll never slip out of my hands. I'll never slip you out of my hands. That will never happen. Because you decided to eat my flesh and drink my blood. So he looked at his disciples, the 12. Peter said, To whom shall we go? You have the words to eternal life. What Peter was saying is this We have come to believe. We trust no other. We're willing to change direction in our life because we are no longer followers. We are now your disciples. A disciple makes a decision to change course. In his or her life, because he or she believes in Jesus. You know, when I was a youth pastor, a very long time ago, <laughs> I, I I know you're jealous. Why 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 do you look uh, trying to look young, trying under understand that. Uh, but there was a time when I was a a, a young pastor, and um, I always get asked by some of the the, the teenagers, you know, uh, what what. What kinds of things can I do and and, and still be a Christian? Yeah. <laughs> I remember those days. Uh, and what are some of the things that I cannot do? You know, they, they 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 pivot. They start out that way. People ask questions like that. You know, what they're really asking is, Pastor, how much partying can I do and still be a Christian? How much drinking can I do? And still be a Christian. Pastor, how, how much flirt, flirting should I do? How, 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 how far should I get with my boyfriend or girlfriend and still be a Christian? You know, that's a, that's a tough question to, ask, to answer people. You know what I say? I say to them, don't ask me, ask Jesus. <laughs> that's the real answer. You ask Jesus. If you struggle with something, don't ask me. What do I know? Paul says, why well, do you ask me? Don't you know that I struggle with the same things? <laughs> ask Jesus. says, Jesus, you have the words to eternal life. If you say change, we'll change. If you says no, it means no. If you says yes, it means yes. No buts, no ifs, because you have the words to eternal life. I always just say to people, think about what you're doing. And think about the value of it. Does it have eternal value? If it doesn't have any eternal value, you can answer the question for yourself. It's as plain and simple. Jesus was asked these types of questions many times. And Jesus just said, don't work for food that doesn't last. Come to me, I'll give you springs of living water. The point is God gives us what we need. You can't gain anything without any eternal value. It's just a temporal thing. John 15, 1-5 says, I'm the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that bears fruit, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and as, as, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I remain in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. In in a nutshell, Jesus was saying, you want a change? Remain in me. Don't cut yourself off. Don't let anything go between you and me. I am doing a change in your life. It's taking you a long time. Because you know what? You've been in that lifestyle for a long time. You've been in that habit for a long time. You've been in that mode of thinking for a long time. Jesus says, remain in me. Be all in. Don't remove yourself. Don't ca- get cut off from the life that I'm giving you. You will win that battle. That's what Jesus was saying. It's not just saying, oh, remain in me. and I mean, remain, you become fruitful. Jesus is saying, you will change. Because you remain, you will, there will be a change in you. It's guaranteed you will change. I'm not the same person I was when I first came to Jesus. And that's the testimony of everybody in this room. Because we were all in. We change because we are connected to Jesus. The fruit bearing tree here represents the changes that takes place in our lives. And the more we draw nourishment from God, the more we have the power to change. Jesus says, you're already clean because of my word. How many of you know because of the gospel, you're already clean? How many of you are clean because of the gospel? You're clean. But how come you dirty yourself? How come I dirty myself? All right? Because I need to stay clean. I need to, st- to keep on taking the shower. All right? Washes away the sin. That's when the, the great passage in 1 in, uh, uh, John 1, 9 says. You confess your sin, faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You are clean already because of my word. Now continue in my word and I will remove those desires in us, in you, that are not bearing fruit towards eternal life. That's why we need to change. God is pruning our lives like a gardener prunes a plant to make it more fruitful. If we remain in him, he will change us. If we believe in him. He will change us. There's a final point here. A disciple, a true disciple of Jesus is ready to carry the cross of Christ. You're ready to carry the cross of Christ. To believe in Jesus is to follow Jesus at a cost. This is the most telling mark. There are sacrifices to be made when we come to faith in Jesus. Luke 9.23 says, Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. That's a clear-cut, straight commandment. Again, Luke 14.27. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. It's a daily walk of recognizing that our path is filled with obstacles and bends on the road and possible persecution for our faith. Self-denial is a big part of discipleship. It must cause us to pause and reflect on the sacrifices we're willing to make daily to follow Jesus. We have it good in this country, people. We thank God every day because compared to other countries, we still are able to worship freely. That's changing quite rapidly right now. And persecution will come. There's fear. The fear of persecution is still at some distance away. But you know what? Sometimes it's the lack of persecution that draws us away from God. And in some ways, we could be thankful that there are some hindrances to the church so that we can fight through it. So that we can carry our cross and continue to follow Jesus. We must pray for people in other places that are being persecuted even more than the church here. We're relatively free here. But there are people in the world that are going through persecution because they're not really persecuting the church. They're really persecuting Jesus. Jesus said this. Don't marvel that the world hates you. It hated me first. Going through the same persecution, Will probably go through the same persecution, you know, or later. You know, Christmas is just around the corner, and I'm telling you, uh, there's going to be a great deal of false information, misinformed analysis, malicious things that will be. Happens at Easter, and this happens at Christmas. Okay, and his disciples, like then, and like. You know, the, the, these old disciples and his disciples right now. The first instinct that we do when persecution comes is we try to defend Jesus, right? Peter did that. He tried to defend Jesus. And that's the first mistake that we made. We make. Every time we encounter persecution, there, there seems to be a desire in our hearts to defend Jesus. Jesus never called us to defend him. I want you to, to know that. We're not called to defend Jesus. We're called to defend our faith in Jesus, but not to defend Jesus. We're not called to defend Jesus. We're called to proclaim Jesus. It's a call to proclamation. Jesus will defend himself. I'm confident of that. He doesn't need us to defend him. He needs us to proclaim him. And we will proclaim him because we are all in. We're all in. Ready for the cross bearing that are to come. Be careful for the persecution to come because they will come because there will be a refining moment when we have to say to God whether the persecution comes I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to carry the cross of Jesus because I am all in. Are you all in?